didn't nobody ever gave you guilt trips like that no i think uh, my mom again like was just like we're american yeah i think all my cousins probably had a little bit more of that guilt trip of like you don't know how hard we worked to get here i think my mom was very much like the past is dead. You know, like the new Star Wars. She's like, bury the past. We're done. We're here now. We made it. We're okay. She's like the last Jedi. New York, I know you have. Hey, humans. Welcome back to La Mescla. It's been a couple weeks. I'm so happy to be back. Uh, my name's Adrian Burke. I'm the creator and host of this program. Uh, one quick uh, audio disclaimer for this episode. Something weird happened with my microphone. Uh, that caused uh, the guest sound to be a little echoey uh, and funky for the first uh, 30 minutes or so of the podcast. Uh, I did my best to edit around it, uh, but my apologies to you for that. Uh, And it won't happen again. (laughs) Let's get into it. My guest today is the wonderful and uh, super prolific Mike Caballon. I was so excited to talk to Mike the show this week. Uh, You might have seen him on HBO in either Crashing or High Maintenance. You might have caught him in uh, Marvel's Luke Cage or the feature film The First Purge. Uh, He's also got a a, a juicy uh, recurring role on the final season of Orange is the New Black coming up. Uh, Mike is all over the place. Uh, So I was really excited to talk to him. We talked about uh, growing up with uh, Filipino parents in Las Vegas, uh, making the transition to New York as a comedian, uh, and sort of finding his way uh, as an artist with a sort of nebulous cultural identity and sort of carving out his own lane. Uh, Mike is the absolute best. You can catch him all over the city uh, performing in sketch shows, particularly with the Boogie Manja program at the pit. Uh, I had a wonderful time speaking to him, and I think you're really going to like this episode. That's an amazing slogan. <laughs> no worry. They can workshop it. Yeah. I feel like the RAV4 was like a... Con- I grew up in a, a really white suburb, and I feel like the RAV4 was a constant Stable. presence. Yeah, yeah, Constant yeah. presence. Where'd you grow up? Uh, just outside of New York in Yonkers. Oh, okay. Um, You're a New York boy. Yeah, I'm a New York boy, you but not really. Check off that weird uh, like box on your taxes. Wait, what weird box? Like uh, I should if, know about this. If you're like, an, uh, if you're in New York City, I don't know. I feel like every time, every year on TurboTax, there's like a little box. that's like, did any of this work happen? True. I also use <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, because New York City. Box. But New York City has. I've gotten fucked on this before. Uh, New York City has like a. I'm just gonna adjust this. Sure. New York City has uh, a special tax rate for labor that you do here, as opposed because I have a part-time job in Westchester, like oh, where I'm from. Okay. So, like the income's supposed to get taxed differently, and I did not know that last year, and ended up having to pay a lot of money to the city of New York. Right, it's a bad deal. Oh my gosh, I started recording. Oh, this is it. We're starting. I mean, yeah, but like I'll okay. probably cut out all the taxes. Stuff. No, this is the good stuff. This is what people tune in here. <laughs> I don't. I I have in the past done the whole like ambush the person and they're like right. oh now we're the, doing the it the P. Holmes Mark Maron style yeah exactly but I'm kind of falling out of love with it yeah. because it's not that let's polish it a clever bit. yeah yeah, yeah. Let's, I mean. let's keep it clean I love that we're doing this on the show yeah and we keep it in here. As a proof of concept that we do not support what you're currently listening yes. to. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, vote. I'll do like an Instagram poll or something. Vote if you like the cold open that way or not. Also vote in general whenever our next election is. Yes. We're recording this after the midterms. Please. Yes. In two years. I hope. Did, how did voting go for you? Uh, super easy. Was, I mean, it was raining. Was it crowded? I, uh, it was not crowded. I was uh, hungover and it was raining. Nice. Um, hungover. The, only way, the only way to do your civic duty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Uh, I did have, uh, I mean, I think every person in New York had this. I keep looking at the microphone like it's an audience. I like it. It's making me feel like this show is more professional <laughs> than it actually is. Um, I, I did, every New Yorker had this, but I definitely had a broken uh, uh, ballot counter. I didn't. Machine. I weirdly really? didn't. Well, there were only two in my polling place, and they were both functional, at least when I was there. And I was okay. there, like, in the middle of the day. So Lord knows how oh, it was, it. like, after most people's work days ended. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm sure end of day was a nightmare. Yeah. yeah I yeah. went in, like, um, 10 a.m., I want to say. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, late morning. Uh, and there were three machines. This is fascinating stuff, I know. This I'm into it. I'm personally into three it. Three machines. One was down. The second one was in the process of breaking. Shit. And like, people were like banging on it like Fonzie style. <laughs> uh, and then it worked. And there That's was a, legit a small celebration. Everyone was like partying. There's a sketch in there about Fonzie elbowing uh, a voting 100%. machine. Okay, write it down. Copyright Mike, Mike Cavill. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for saying my last name right. Oh, th- I researched it. Oh, I wanted wow, to make sure. Do people give you Cabellon? Yeah. Yeah, because it looks like a Spanish last name. Yeah, that's it, more or less. It when is. I first saw your name, probably on Facebook, I was like, "Oh shit, is he Spanish?" Because mm. that double L man, it gets us. I'm uh, I'm Filipino, and the Philippines was colonized by Spain for like a billion years. As were we all. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Who was it? Let he who was in cast the first stone. Um, but yeah, so uh, my mom's last name is Hernandez. Like I mm. I look at this is great for a podcast. I look like this. Yeah. Like the Filipinos are traditionally like a shorter, darker people, and I am tall, and I'm thin, and I'm light. Mm. Um, and I, it's because I am, like, I think more Spanish Filipino than I am, like, indigenous Filipino. Right. You know what I mean? Like, my mom's last name is Hernandez. Uh, Cabalon looks like a Spanish last name. Yeah. Uh, it's close to the Spanish words for hair and horse. <laughs> That's true. Um, I've been told by Filipinos that I'm pronouncing it wrong. Uh, I've been told that the Filipino Tagalog pronunciation would be uh, Cabellon. Oh. Uh, but I'm not going to make cast characters do that. Yeah. I just go as phonetic as possible. That's fair. And, like, people will say, like, Cabellon, and I'm like, that's fine. So people with CDs are struggling with it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sure. makes sense. That makes sense. It's, it's one of those last names that isn't necessarily complicated. It's three syllables. It's no, it's no exotic letters or anything. No, of course not. It's just people don't know, like, where to put the emphasis. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I have the both benefit and uh, forever curse of getting only the white names. Right. Uh, right well, right. technically, my name, my first name is like my mom's never said the word Adrian in my life. It's really? Adri- it's Adrian. Oh. Uh, right. And like my dad uh, was uh, a fluent Spanish speaker, even though he's a white dude. So like they sure. named me a Spanish name. Okay. But everything else, it's like Adrian Pierce Burke, which right. is the whitest, the whitest name you could ever imagine. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, That's yeah. A few times in my life, I've gotten the uh, what's your real name? Like like oh I my like God. an Easterner who picks like a Western name. Yeah. No, it's it's my full full name is Michael Adam Hernandez Cavallon. It's Michael Adam Hernandez. It sounds vaguely like Hernandez gives you like a vague. Yeah, like he's not quite. 100% the f- also, the fact that it's that many names again makes me feel like you're Latino. Like <laughs> all my family has like seventeen names. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It, had I gone through like Catholic confirmation, that they would yeah. be like one name longer. Got it. So the family's Catholic. No, uh, family started out Catholic. So right. I went to Catholic school. Shit. Uh, and then like halfway through, that's when my mom. Uh, so I grew up just with my mom. Right. And uh, where? We didn't do where. Las Vegas, Nevada. All right. Terrible place. Don't ever go. <laughs> okay. You ever been? No. Don't go. I don't anticipate going. You, I tell people that you can, this is going to get boring if I run into people who are listening to this like in conversation because it's just my line that I say all the time. You can go once for like your bachelor party or right. like your best friend's bachelor party or something. Um, and after four days, you, yeah, that's it. You should go home. Four days is the limit. The absolute limit. Okay. 18 years and you want to die. It's the worst. <laughs> it's, the worst. <laughs> it's better now, but it's, you know. I in what know. way? It, it's um, it's just like crazy desert people, right? Y- yes. Yeah. It's like Parks and Rec on <laughs> that's, steroids. That's my incredibly bigoted New Yorker view of You're Las Vegas. The, 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 do you watch The Good Place? No, I don't. I've heard it's great, though. The Good Place is amazing. 
Um, but uh, Kristen Bell's character is from Arizona, mm-hmm. and they do lots of jokes about what a trash state Arizona is. Yeah, my, it's the Florida of the West. My paternal grandmother, when she was alive, lived in Phoenix, mm-hmm. so I've been, and I know. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, and they've started to, in their most recent season, bleed over into like Nevada jokes. Mm. They're knocking them out of the park. It is a <laughs> crazy desert people is the first way to put it. I, I really love a person who has a sense of humor about where they're from. I have a lot of oh, friends yeah. from Jersey who are like, and I get it like it's an easy target and people like to wear it as a badge of honor yeah, but I'm a sure. little over being told I can't make fun of New Jersey right. we can all make fun of New Jersey <laughs> it's the Florida of the north oh it totally is that's uh, so great no, yeah, so like I like people are like oh did you hit it because of like the gambling and the sex and drugs and stuff yeah. it's like not really because that's it's so geographically limited to the strip once you leave the strip it just falls off immediately into like houses and churches and libraries and that yeah. kind of stuff and that's like it was, to me, a culturally bereft city. Mm. Um, like, I went to school in Chicago, and Chicago was the very first time that I had walked down the street and been like, oh, there's a sculpture that was paid for by taxpayer dollars. Like, mm. that shit just doesn't exist in Las Vegas. Wow. Our, our library, to this day, still shares a building with our art museum. Like, there's just really? no funding for anything in Las Vegas. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that makes a weird amount of sense in that the like city seems to be built around, like shitty Tourism. adult Disneyland. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no one's there for the museum. Yeah. They're there to gamble, so. Have you been to the museum? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, cool. So we were, we're, at one point we were mentioning uh, something about your mom. So what, So are both your parents Filipino? Yes. So they both uh, came here from the Philippines. I am first generation. Hell yeah. I'm like, uh, like, 0.5 generation, I like to say, because my brother and my sister were both born in the Philippines. I was the first one born here. Wow. Um, so yeah, I was born in California and then, uh, moved to Vegas when I was two weeks old. Got it. The story that my mom tells is that basically my dad was like, Hey, my friend says there's jobs in Las Vegas. We should go. Cause we're immigrants. We need jobs. We should go to Las Vegas. Yeah. And my mom Sounds basically familiar. said, um, I don't want to change my gyno. So we're going to have the baby here. And once the doctor says we can physically move the baby, we'll move. And it was two weeks and it was two weeks old when I moved to Las wow. Vegas. Wow. Yeah. You should get that on your tombstone. I don't want to change my gyno. <laughs> yeah. I'll say that at my mom's funeral. So, oh my god, that's dark. <laughs> that's dark. Uh, hey, but what are you going to do? I have dead parents. Uh, that I've mentioned too many times on this show. Jesus Christ. Did, should, I was going to ask about it, and then I thought he's probably covered this on the podcast. Oh, I mean, by all means, ask about it. What, uh, both, both passed away? No, uh, only the white one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I literally just stand up about this the other night, like losing the white, if you're a mixed person and yeah. you lose the white parent, it's like, oh, I could have, I didn't have anybody to teach me to use all this privilege, like, <laughs> how do I get a bank loan, like all this stuff. This but yeah, thing. so he was, uh, I guess I haven't talked about him in that much detail, but I had my sister on the show forever ago oh, and sure, we sure. had like a weird, vulnerable conversation about it. Uh, but he was a uh, like super Irish dude, born in Boston. Hit both of his parents were straight off the boat from Ireland. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, so, but he like they had a weird like his parents split up, and one of them lived in Europe. He spent like all of his elementary, middle school years up until like middle of high school in Spain. Mm-hmm. So he was like raised in Spain, but then went to high school in Minnesota. Was, like, oh. He had a, like a weird yeah, life. Uh, yeah, but so then my mom moves here when she was 20, uh, low-key with a first husband that didn't pan out. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To like, in part to be a dancer. <laughs> uh, that shit doesn't work out. Uh, they end up working at the same restaurant. She's the manager, he's the bartender. Oh, and she's like, oh, who's this cute white boy who speaks Spanish? That's a rom-com. Yeah, that, make that movie, Jennifer Lopez. That's li- oh, I might make that movie later in my life. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, so then they meet, how did I get here? 
we're talking about just that my dad is dead. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> uh, yeah. No. And then uh, so they get married. They have us. Uh, and then I was I was eight when he died. He got, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. He got cancer. Uh, he was diagnosed when I was like four, and they were like, "Oh, he has uh, he has a year," and then he like lasted four, which is like both. Good. It's both good and also like terrifying. Yeah, and I'm still dealing with it to this day. Everyone, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's okay. we're talking too much about me, though. No, no, no. Look, you told me when I walked in this is a conversation. That's fair. This is the fact that we're not wearing headphones makes it feel like we're just talking to each that's other. That's what I want. Yeah. That's exactly what I want. This is good, and I wanted it more because we don't we, like we don't hang out. No, we're we're like friends of friends. Yes, basically, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. like, learning about you is like fascinating to me. Oh, I let's like make that. the podcast about you. Uh, you can do whatever you want with your time. <laughs> the question uh, of whether the audience will be into it. They've already. Is, yeah, 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 yeah. We started talking about taxes. They're like, they Jesus Christ, we started with taxes, uh, but let's get back. To you. Okay. So growing up in Las Vegas, uh, let's like maybe move. You're getting a little bit older. You went to high school there and everything. Yep. So what are what what kind of crowd are you hanging out with? Are you already performing? Like you're gravitating towards creative people. Oh sure sure sure. How many of your friends are white? Like hit okay. me with all of That's that stuff. That's a lot of different topics at once. Um, I will say that uh, I think a lot of my friends growing up were Hispanic, actually, mm-hmm. um, because the the U.S. Southwest, if you forget that Las Vegas is geographically there, it's in the same basket as, you know, like Arizona and Southern California and yeah. those states, so it is a lot of, like, uh, Mexican immigrant families. Right. Um, so I think, like, primarily a lot of the, like, uh, like, racial issues that were dealt with or talked about in public in Southern Nevada were about Hispanic families, so not mm-hmm. about, like, Asian families. Right. Um, so, yeah, like, a lot of my friends were uh, white or Hispanic. Um, Performance-wise, I think... I like to say this a lot. I grew up in the only city in America where a magician is a viable career option. <laughs> that's that's but, like, true. Wherever you grew up, like, I'm sure you were driving down the freeway and you saw billboards for, like, doctors and shit, and so, like, that was the, like, I guess that's what adults do. And for us... It was literally like you know ventriloquists and stuff. <laughs> so yeah, instead of like Celino and Barnes right, on the exactly. billboard. Yeah, it was oh, like that's great. Right. That's so great. So it was a lot. Like I always knew it was never not a question in my head. I always knew that you could do that for a living because mm-hmm. I saw it every day. Like I was a big magic kid. I loved uh, magic shows. Oh, that's I still awesome. kind of do. I'm more aware of how nerdy it is now, so I don't like. Well, sure. Sometimes I go down some YouTube rabbit holes. Oh yeah, for sure. Magic is this weird cultural thing where we all enjoy it and no one wants to admit that they enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's very true, but also like, I think America. I think there's a special hatred for magicians in America. Hundred percent. Because like in South America, there's uh, magic is a lot more a part of the culture. Oh really? Oh. I mean, in terms of like, or in the Caribbean, like people believe in like voodoo and right. all this stuff, and there's similar superstitions in Peruvian sure. culture. We have too many atheists in America. For yeah, it's, really true. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, although I'm sure I haven't looked into it, but I, there's got to be some like. Christian magicians who oh, do like for sure. I mean, so even the power of the Lord. Yes, you call it. I feel like so all like all the like David Blaine and like Chris Angel stuff has so much like Judeo Christian imagery yeah, in it already. Yeah, for sure. uh, that's int- I'm sure somebody's already done this, but I would watch a documentary about like the different ways people do magic in different countries. That's fascinating. I've never thought about that. You want to produce that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. You want to turn this off? Let's go do it right now. Yeah, I have five million dollars. Let's okay. get it done. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. So I always knew that like performing was a thing. Um, and my mom was always very supportive. Like, I, I am grateful, like, actively grateful that I didn't have, like, a traditional, like, tiger mom. Mm. She was never, like, you have to be a doctor or a lawyer or anything. She was always, yeah. I, I think, like... That is the immigrant parent stereotype. That, yeah, yeah, just please be successful. But I think it was that, um, uh, oh, God, I hope I'm not listening. Like, my brother and my sister <laughs> both set really low bars. <laughs> 
my brother moved out really young and my sister had kids early and there's nothing wrong with that you know sure. I love them dearly and those are totally valid life choices totally valid um, but I think that like for my mom she was like literally just get to college if you can do get to college do whatever you want do what makes you happy but yeah. just I need you to be a self-sufficient person yeah um, and so I think she's like fine with me especially now like I am starting to do a little bit better yeah you know like I you're like, crushing it right now I'm trying I'm trying so hard um but yeah, so she's always been very supportive, and I think, like, she, so she never told me, like, not to pursue the arts or anything. Yeah. I think the biggest uh, person was, like, me. Like, I was always, like, I, I always grew up thinking, like, oh, it's very audacious to think, like, I'm going to be an actor, a comedian. The same exact thing. And really? the same with my mom, too, who's the immigrant parent, and who's the parent has been around. But, like, I, I tell people I grew up with a single mom, even though mm-hmm. it's not completely true. Sure. Uh, but she's the same way, has always encouraged me to, like, go after what I want. Like, low-key was very mad that I wouldn't go to dance classes and settled for acting oh, classes. interesting. Yeah, she wanted me to, like, go dance like she did for a while. Yeah. Uh, uh, Can I dance? Well, she did mostly like modern and flamenco, okay. which is like the one with the giant skirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the emoji. Yeah, it's yeah. literally it's literally the emoji. I yeah. use that emoji so much. She had it. <laughs> she had this skirt that she would sometimes. My sister would like when we were little. She'd go in and put it on and just spin in a circle. Oh. And then I just like run around under it. That's amazing. That's a very idyllic childhood. Memory. I, that image is burning <laughs> in my head. That's a real thing. That's a postcard. Uh, but same thing. She's always been so so supportive. But the, I get in my own way same. about like, well, that's not like that's not for me. Yeah. That's for people who like have family members who do this yes, or something exactly. like that. Exactly. It's like to me. To me, it was always like just statistically. Yeah. The number of fucking kids who step off a bus from Iowa and are like, I'm going to be in uh, in the movies, you know? Yeah. It's like, the, the, it never works out. Yeah. Who am I to think I'm the one who could work out? Yeah, I had the exact same thing, and I grew up, I didn't grow up in the city, but mm-hmm. I grew up close enough to it that it should have felt like more of a realistic prospect. Right, right. But it never did. It's weird how we do that to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is weird. So did, uh, no, did you go to school for acting? No. Did I you? went to school for advertising because Hell I was yeah. like, it, that's a practical thing. Yeah, neither did I. I went for film production so that I yeah. could like work in an office somewhere. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, to, one of my professors in college said, advertising is the toy department of business. If you can't have fun in advertising, then you don't belong in business. And I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. It's the most creative aspect of like what sure. adults do, business. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah. And so I majored in advertising. I'm like, oh, like, I know I don't really like business. Yeah. And I know I want to do something creative, and advertising felt like a good compromise. Mm-hmm. And then I worked in advertising for like less than a year after graduation. I was like, this is I'm gonna fucking die. terrible. <laughs> I lasted a year and a half. What were you doing? I was working at a, a production company, a commercial production company. Yeah. I started out as a PA, and then they promoted me to like take care of their like video fault, whatever. I was right. like a light editor. I wasn't a real editor, but like right. if they needed me to trim a couple seconds off mm-hmm. something... I would do that yeah, for them. Logging clips, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, say, like sending reels like for director pitches and shit mm-hmm. like that. Uh, a company that I now audition for regularly. No uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And they're, they're cool. I like, I, I wanted to die every second, but like as far as like working in that world goes, that's a great place to work. Yeah. They're great people. It's just like I started losing my mind at a certain point. Right. That's interesting. I, I wonder how common that is with uh, people with immigrant parents. Uh, with the whole like fallback plan thing, I imagine it's yeah. very common. I, I mean, you, you're like this podcast is interesting because it's it's such a specific subset of people who like came from a background that is traditionally known for like, oh yeah, immigrant parents uh, are traditionally going to tell you to do something safe. Yeah, and you're specifically interviewing people who did not do the safe thing. Yeah. Oh, that's a really interesting way to describe it. I never thought of it that way. I mostly just like I I just want to talk to people who I feel like I can identify with. Right. Yeah, because yeah. It, it's true like the narrative about people with immigrant parents is like 
the hard workers, like they're pushed to be the best of the best, which is true. Uh, but I'm all, ab- I guess I'm all about like showing white people that like none of these groups that you see like this these niche programming about none of them are monoliths like within yeah, exactly. them there's so many yeah. different stories so much nuance that just yeah. you is barely being starting to be touched upon yeah now. yeah yeah because yeah. really I feel like every like white person that we're friends with has like seen the Hassan Minaj specials yeah. and is like that's what it is right. like, yeah, well yeah. that is what it is there's also like all there's these all, other yeah. like subsets of it yeah so this is pretty niche but like it's fun for me it's good it's interesting uh, it's a needed thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Thank you, because I'm a very needy person. <laughs> cool. So where where did you go to school for advertising? Uh, Loyola Chicago. Okay. Right. You mentioned moving to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was, I strictly picked it because it was the furthest I could get from home. That I, was I, the furthest you could get? Well, so, uh, like, I uh, feel like I kind of, like, squandered. Look, I don't regret going to Loyola. I love all my friends I made there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like I, like, I just didn't really know what I wanted to do after high school. Because I get like I love performing. Mm-hmm. I did improv in high school. Nice. Um, and not like uh, I did improv in high school with adults. I didn't do it at a high school level. Got it. I did it with a group that is still there. If you're in Las Vegas, go see Las Vegas improvisation players. They do short form improv. They're great. Um, at the time, there was still a Second City Las Vegas. Nice. And a lot of those members did Second City. So I was doing it with like like 40, 50 year old adults who were like you know, lawyers and shit, and they just enjoy doing improv on the side. That's awesome. That was how I came up. That was kind of my first big performance. See, to me, I think that's a more beautiful... Beautiful, that's a very flowery term, but that's like a healthier performer culture to grow up in than like something here where it's like we're all we're all going after the same thing and right. like we're all very high strung about yeah. this like I did uh, I, I had to do this duo show with my friend Jess Kelly and we took it to Minnesota there's a theater there I'm huge theater okay. uh, run by Jill Bernard what's up Jill uh, <laughs> uh, and like seeing the community there who are all people who are like doing this because they love doing it it's not because right. they have all these motives underneath it yeah, I feel yeah, like that's yeah. a really good way to cut your teeth yeah exactly um, doing it for the love of the game. Yeah. Yeah, not because you want to play for the game. Yeah, you said it. I yeah. said it in, like, 400 words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, so that was, like, I did that in high school. And also because, like, my high school uh, didn't have a theater program. Like, I couldn't be a theater kid by way of there was no theater to be a kid of. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of my outlet. And then, like, after high school, I was like, I know I really enjoy doing this, but I don't really know what I want to do. Mm. So I kind of applied to random schools, like, just based on cities. I was like, I like Seattle, maybe there. Like, I know Arizona's right over there. Uh, and then my friend uh, applied to Loyola Chicago. And she was like, the application's free. And we were very poor. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, oh, I can afford a free application. So I yeah, applied there. Yeah. And then they accepted me. And I was like, it's as far away as I can get. So that was where I went. Nice. So you moved to Improv Capital. Yeah, and didn't do any improv. Hell yeah. I think that's beautiful. I didn't do any improv until I left college. Really? I had Yeah, I went to BU, and there were like a few improv groups there, and I had friends who were in them. I did a lot of like shitty, serious student theater. Uh, oh, you have no idea. Uh, uh, and like I had friends on the improv teams, and they like tried to convince me to go, but I'd go see the shows, and I'd be like, I can't. I can't do that. <laughs> like, Interesting. Just, I, I think it was the, the people. None of them are going to listen yeah, to this. It's yeah. just... It, you know, it, they're it, at home it, seething. It was the words on right now. Yeah, because this podcast is so big. Uh, but, like, I, and it's something I sort of, I guess, struggled with improv culture when I got to New York was just not... <laughs> Like it's such, it feels like such a homogenous thing. Like at that time, it's much better now. But at right. that time, this is like I don't know, five years ago, six mm-hmm. years ago, uh, it felt like to be an improviser, you had to be a very specific thing. And since I, pres- since all I, middle-aged white men, yeah, but also like 
Also, like, middle height, like, 23-year-old white man with nothing to say, (laughs) but, like, who is kind of clever. Uh, And I know that I present as that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was just like, I don't know where I fit in here, and I kind of struggled with it a lot. Um, How did you feel getting into the improv? Well, you started out doing improv. How did you feel starting doing it here? Uh, Comfortable. It kind of felt a little bit like a homecoming because I didn't do it in Chicago. Right. Like, I got to Chicago, I remember trying out for uh, the college improv team freshman year, mm-hmm. and then not taking me, and then uh, me being like, fuck you. Yeah, fuck improv. And I didn't do, and uh, I remember doing, um, I forgot what class, one of my classes brought in, like, Second City Corporate to do just, like, a workshop, mm-hmm. and I remember the guy pulled me aside and me like, you've done this before, haven't you? I was like, yeah. And he was like, <laughs> you should try it for the conservatory, because you don't have to take Second City classes to try for the conservatory, you can just do it. Nice. Uh, and then I remember looking at the requirements, filling the requirements, and then just being like, I'm going to go do college. And, like, just kind of fucking around for four years. You know? Yeah. Like, I tried stand-up a little bit in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, and that was fun. Not Still not my bag. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, like, every now and then, I'll, to this day, I'll write a joke, and I'm like, this joke really only works as a stand-up bit, and I'll, like, pocket it. But, Got like, it. I don't consider myself a stand-up. But do you do it from time to time? No. I, mm-hmm. Rarely. Yeah. Rarely. I would never deign to say, like, oh, I'm a stand-up, too. Like, yeah. No. I'm kind of the same way. I've been recently, I've been dipping my toes into it, and more like telling stories uh, and like especially stuff about my family but I I wouldn't be I'm the same way like I'm a stand up please book me yeah pass Uh, on that (laughs) Um, but so like when I got to New York it was like uh, I I know I want to do comedy and UCB is the thing to do comedy so I did it and I I feel like I was good at it so I was like okay cool this feels comfortable this is what I should be doing this is the right track Um, and this was at the same time that I was doing those shitty advertising jobs and I was like Mm -hmm. Man, I hate this day job stuff, but I love going to class at night. Yeah, man. And that was the thing. That the only thing I spent money on for almost two years was UCB classes. Yeah. That was pretty much it. Yeah. Taking myself further and further into debt so I could take those dumb, dumb classes. So when, tell me about, tell me about when you quit. Like, tell me about the moment when you quit your day job. Uh, I was just talking about this with someone, so I can pinpoint the exact day. It was July 2014. Oh, he has a date. I have a date because, so I was taking, um... A class that you can still take at UCB. Uh, it's with uh, Phil Cassis, Stacy Gallo. Um, their commercial class. Well, Phil's my uh, my commercial That's agent. Great. Hi, Phil. Um, so I took their class, uh, and they bring in one of their clients to like talk to the class. And I remember for us it was Dave Ebert. Mm-hmm. Hi, Dave. Um, <laughs> and he was talking in the class, and he gave this advice that like really fucking hit home with me at that time, where yeah. he was like, "Don't be afraid to quit your day job, because if you liked your day job, you wouldn't also still want to be an actor, right?" So part of you doesn't want to do your day job, uh, and you're not going to starve. Like, that's, like, the, the innate fear that we all have, right? It's like, well, if I don't have a job, then how am I going to pay for food and, like, yeah. a roof over my head? Right. like, listen, yeah. you're a young, educated person in America. You're not going to starve to death. If you get really hungry, your friends will buy you a meal. Mm-hmm. Not that you should take advantage of your friends, but, you know, it's like, if you get really desperate for a job, walk into any Starbucks and ask for a job. They'll give you a job. Yeah. It's not, like, you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and that kind of rewired my brain, where I'm like, Oh my god, you're right. I could, th- none of this matters. Yeah. And that was when I, uh, I uh, a month later, booked my first commercial. Wow. And then I quit advertising. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Hell yeah. And that was when I started working, like, uh, sort of like, quote-unquote, like, dead-end jobs, you know. But I was like, I don't I'm, care. I'm still doing that. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a very inspiring quitting story. I just booked a, I booked a three-week residency of a play that paid, like, almost nothing. Oh, wow. And I lied to my boss, because I worked in production, and I, I was too, like, chicken shit to tell them that I was an actor, or, like, wanted to be a comedian. Uh, so I lied to them and told them that I booked a job 
uh, in production on a documentary in Chicago. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, then I, and they were like, well, you can come. I was like, I'm going to be away for three weeks. And they were like, well, you can come back. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go freelance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I remember that. Uh, I'm strictly bringing this up to shout out another comedian, Maria Heinig, who is a, uh, a stand up here in New York. She's great. Uh, we worked at the same advertising agency mm. and she was like the office manager mm-hmm. and the day that I quit or the day I gave my notice I walked into my boss's office in the morning and I said hey this is my two weeks notice I, I just can't do this anymore yeah. and then later that day they called me back into the office and they said uh, actually uh, no two weeks we're just, you can just walk out right now and so Maria wow. had to sit there and watch me pack up my shit into a box and she had to escort me out of the office wow that's cold yeah Damn. She also doesn't work there anymore either, so fuck that place. And was that common practice for them? If people gave their notice? I don't know. That's... I was a pretty bad employee, so I wouldn't be surprised sure. if it was just they were just like, what, what are we, why, yeah. we don't need you for another two yeah. weeks. I was also a very bad employee. They This office had a... I still... I'm I'm, I'm low-key working for them next week. <laughs> <laughs> None of them are going to listen to this. Except for maybe one person, and she won't care. Uh, uh, they had like a habit... Anytime anybody would leave, because there was a lot of turnover while I worked there, mm-hmm. they would there would be like a goodbye. Not a party, but like sure. a thing at the end of the day. Right. They get a little cake or something. They yeah. maybe say a few words. My last day none of the bosses were in oh, the office. No. So I just sort of like left and I was like, okay, uh, bye everybody. I, sp- I spent almost two years of my life here. Wow. See no ya. Fanfare. No fanfare, but I'm not one for fanfare. Sure. Anyway. Uh, that's so fun. So, so at this point, so you're doing improv, you're, are you doing sketch stuff too? Uh, sketch came a little bit later. I think it was very clean. I, I don't have a time on it, but it does feel like there were very clean cut kind of phases. Like I did all of improv uh, 101 through 401, did advanced study, uh, never got into ASPs, and that got really frustrating. Yeah, me neither. Uh, did, like, two or three ASHs, and then I, and that was when I kind of, like, became disillusioned with it. That was where I kind of started to see, like, the matrix, like, see the code of improv, where I'm mm-hmm. like, uh, like, there's there's an end game to this, and it's being on a house team, and that doesn't really lead anywhere, and that's not what I want to do. Yeah, I think I had the same thing. Yeah, it, I think improv is an amazing skill to have, and once you have it, you can improve on it, but you can also just stop and have that skill. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, to me, it's like, if you're a woodworker, it's like one tool, it's like a saw. Yeah. And you can be really good at using a saw, and you can learn to do tricks with your saw, but then it's like, someone has to use a hammer. And it's also like, you can be the best uh, saw user in the mm-hmm. world, but what do you want to do with it? Right, exactly. Like, it, 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 it's come to a point, and I still do improv, uh, and I tour sometimes mm-hmm. uh, with different, like, duos and stuff, and I love doing it, but at this point for me, I think it's like, it's a way, it's a gym, like, it's a way to exactly. hone my voice while I work on things that I want to make. Yes, exactly. And I got, like, really tired of, like, five years of not having anything to show for my work. Yeah, no, I agree. Um yeah, it's, it's something where it's like, yeah, I have that on my resume and in my back pocket, and I can use it's a skill I have over other actors in a room now. Right. And I, I feel comfortable improvising. Yeah. Um, but the, to, to, I, it is not my goal to f- become a better improviser now. Right. Um, but yeah, so uh, where, where are they going with this? Well, I, just to steer it back to like La Mescla, uh, while you're sort of on the come up in the comedy world, is your, is your Filipino culture or like your upbringing uh, coming at all into your work or is it just sort of like trying to hone yourself as a comedian? The, definitely the latter. I don't know. I, I feel like growing up, I don't even know if I really have yet had like a real reckoning with like my cultural identity. Because, like, uh, my mom is very Americanized. Got it. She uh, She's one of eight or nine siblings. Mm-hmm. And she is very much the one who's like, bury me here in America. Like, I'm never going back. Yeah. I, I don't speak Tagalog. 
and my brother and my sister do. Uh, I mean, they're bad at it now because, you know, they're adults. But um, And they set a very low bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I really hope they're not <laughs> I, I specifically remember my mom sitting me down when I was a kid, like yeah. in kindergarten, being like, here's the deal. You speak English at school. I speak English at work. I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to teach you. She, that was an explicit conversation. An explicit conversation. Wow. Because my, I mean, I, it was my, Spanish was my first language, but I quickly mm-hmm. lost it. And mm-hmm. that was never an explicit conversation of like, look, like you're an American kid, you're going to speak right. English. But it was sort of a tacit thing up until like the last couple of years where I was like begging my mom to practice yeah. Spanish so that I feel connected to it. Right, right. That's so interesting. So she like sat you down. Yeah. And she's like, this is why I'm not going to teach you the language. Wow. So, uh, so I, I think from an early age, I felt kind of like, disconnected it's like i know i'm filipino and i know that like my my whole family is filipino but like look i hang out with these white kids so like, i'm not gonna you know it's the classic uh it's the niyaki niyaya uh, it's just a, it's like a spanish saying it just means not from here not from there it's like the right. common immigrant and especially yes. like first gen yes story yeah yeah not really knowing your place yeah. and i still kind of have issues with it like uh <laughs> do you feel like a pull do you want to like find connection to that or are you sort of like i'm finding my own way i'm my own person I feel, uh, whatever the middle ground, I'll split the difference in that, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like um, with, uh, oh man, this is going to get me in such hot water. Uh, there has to be a better way to say this, but I feel like with the Filipino community specifically, mm-hmm. um, there is a very high level of pride in, uh, in like, look, that's one of ours. Like Manny Pacquiao <laughs> is a fighter. Yeah. And in the Philippines, he's a politician. Right. That's not a Like, that's how insanely popular he is, is that people are like, he can punch good. He could probably make some political decisions. He was too. in a big commercial for this company I worked for, and I had to, like, get him shit on set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how was he nice? I didn't, we didn't make eye contact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's also a singer over there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, they're just like, you do, you, like, you're our guy, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I went to the Philippines once in high school, and I remember, uh, I guess at the time there was a guy who had just scaled Everest who was Filipino mm-hmm. and that guy had fucking stands at the mall like wow. cardboard cutouts of him like the Filipinos are very much just like that's one of ours they and claim. They just, they, yeah they, they claw so off. how do you feel that you're about to be one of those people no I'm not I, would I mean you're definitely on the cut of like I could see you booking a few more things and all of a sudden like people are like that's our yeah, guy I know and so that it's like I, I don't want to say I'm like weary or trepidatious i'm just aware that that is a thing that will be happening and so i'm just like a little bit more cautious about being like i am one with the philippines because right. i'm not re- i was born here yeah. and i don't even speak the language and uh so i it's there's just like a an arm's length affection for filipino culture where like i will gladly you know i'm not going to disown my uh, ethnic identity and you know like i'll wear a t-shirt or whatever but yeah. i don't know how ready i am to like do like what Stephen Young is doing. Like Stephen Young right. got big in America and then went back to Korea and got even fucking bigger. And now he's like this guy who's in between worlds and is big in both worlds. Yeah. And I don't know that I would ever do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I totally relate to that anxiety. Granted, I don't I don't present like my heritage and mm-hmm. all. But I have always felt this anxiety of whether or not uh I am allowed to claim that part of yes. myself because yeah, yeah. I'm not authentically Peruvian. Yes. So my anxiety is always like, oh shit, what if I get famous and I'm like talking about being Peruvian and then everybody there's like, fuck this guy. Right. Like, he doesn't yeah, know yeah, what yeah. he's talking about. Yeah. Like, that's my eternal anxiety. Yeah. Uh, but also, I feel like in, just in the past like few years, there's been kind of like a newer generation of like popular Filipinos where people like it's a little bit more chill. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Maddie Libatique is the uh, director of photography who did Venom and A Star Is Born. Shot a lot of commercials for the aforementioned oh, company really? that I worked yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, no, but yeah, and it's like, yeah, people are like, oh, cool. Like, A, just a professional accomplishment. It's cool to shoot those two movies because they're very stylistically yeah, different. He just did, did we mention A Star Is Born? He did A Star Is Born, too. He did A Star Is Born. He, he makes a little cameo in it, and I freaked out. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but yeah, and but he it's not like the Philippines. I mean, I don't know, maybe they are, but it's not like he's like a big like that's a Filipino guy. It's yeah. more just like that, that's a, it's cool that a dude of color did those two movies. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like that like the Maddie Libatique model might be like more or like um It's a solid track. Uh Manny Jacinto is another one. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Manny Jacinto plays uh Jason on The Good Place. Oh, no, I got to watch this you show. Watch it. It's so good. <laughs> uh this is just a big plug for The Good Place. Um no, but he's a Filipino dude and like uh just like a normal dude, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. It's dude who happens to be Filipino, not Filipino dude, you know? Right. That You feel like the dude who happens to be Filipino is your lane. Yeah. For Got sure. it. I feel like that's more my... Because I was born here, and right. I, you know, it's not... Uh, it doesn't feel like it is a big part of my identity, and I'm not saying I don't want to be a big part of my identity, sure. but it's just not my foremost concern. Got it. Do you ever feel like people are pushing you for that to be a bigger part of your identity? Uh, my brother definitely does. Interesting. He's, he's like that, like, Lady Macbeth in my ears, like, you know, you're doing pretty well. You know the Philippines knew even better. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. And he's not. The thing is, he's not wrong. Yeah. Again, because I'm like a, a tall, light-skinned young man, right, from America who speaks good English. Like, yeah. I know that he's right. I could go. You'd to murder. Yeah. yeah. And but like that's not what I want to do. Yeah. So interesting. I don't know. And he's the only one who's sort of giving you that pressure. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. I think everyone else is like, yeah, do you? We want to see you on bigger American screens. Yeah, I want to see you on bigger American oh, screens. <laughs> Mike just rolled his fucking eyes at me. It's, it's weird. I've, I, 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 uh, I still don't really know how to take the, the like excitement and like the we're rooting for you. Sure. Kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. The the compliments of yeah, that's fine. I can't take compliments either. It's so hard. It's weird. It's so hard. This feels like an asshole statement. I'm sitting here like, it's hard to take compliments on how good I am. <laughs> you sound like such a kid of an immigrant of like, oh, like catching yourself midway through a thought and being like, oh, fuck, I'm such yeah, an yeah, asshole. Yeah. I do that all the time yeah. where I'm like st- uh, stressed about whatever bullshit I'm stressed about in New York and then I think about like my mother coming here when she's <laughs> 20 years old and I'm like, yeah. shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Didn't nobody ever give you guilt trips like that? No, I think, uh, I, my mom, again, like, it's just I, like, we're American. Yeah, I think all my cousins probably had a little bit more of that guilt trip of like, you don't know how hard we worked to get here. Yeah. I think my mom was very much like, the past is dead. You know, like the new Star Wars. She's like, bury the past. <laughs> we're done. We're here now. We made it. We're okay. She's like the last Jedi. Yeah. So your, mom's, so your mom's pretty polarizing then. Yeah, very much so. People love her and hate her. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I think my mom was more of a middle ground. We talked about this uh, recently because she listened to the show and she's like, I guess I never really thought about it. Because we were sort of halfway, and also like having the white one die. Well, like mm-hmm. we, I was sort of forced more to be raised in the right. Peruvian half. But like that was never. It was never her like being like we're preserving our culture. Sure. I think it was just sort of like she was like, well, this is how this is how it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I always think it's so interesting the way different parents uh, react to different things. Yeah, that's a good point. Like they like, present the same situation in different ways. Yeah. Um, like, my dad, they divorced when I was a kid, uh-huh. but, like, he moved back to the Philippines. So I'm like, I'm mm. sure had they not divorced, he would have been the parent who's a little bit more like, you know, like, we're Filipino, you should go back. You know, Interesting. Here. Interesting. Yeah, because he's very much a guy, like, he went back there and, like, died there, you know, like, that's his whole... Got it. He's more Filipino than my mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's weird to think about. You ever think about if you were born there? Because you were very close to being born there, right? I was close to being... Well, I don't know. I don't, uh, yeah, I mean, close-ish. How long have they been here when you were born? Not long. 
Got it. Uh, like uh, less than two years. You know, Got it. I mean? Like it wasn't that long. It, it is conceivable that I could have been conceived right. in the Philippines. Is your mom naturalized? She's a citizen? Uh, yeah, she's a citizen. Nice. Mine too. Phew! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. Although, the, again, this is something I was talking about this on stage the other night. I'm like convinced any day now, like even the naturalized ones are yeah, going to get a letter that's just like, it. "Sorry, you didn't, like, like you didn't call no take backs." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, my sister was the last one. My sister just became naturalized. Nice. Um, Good for her. And she uh, didn't vote in the midterms because she didn't realize that voter registration deadline was before the actual voting day. Oof! So, like Oof. the day before, I was like, "Hey, you're voting tomorrow, right?" And she's like. Oh, that sucks. That's so. If they sucks. did do like a governmental like revoke of yeah. the paperwork, my sister would be the first one. Yeah, yeah. I think th- this is another thing. White people listening, the test you have to take to get naturalized in this country is like it's insane. crazy. It's, it's insanely insane. hard. I kind of want to just like bring a copy of it to like yeah. a show and just like quiz people and it's see how like, terrible natural born citizens yes, would do on this test. Exactly. It is so like I pick any of those Trump voting Southerners. Yeah. And yeah, I'll draw that line, listener. Um, <laughs> take any of them and ask them any This podcast has gone political. This podcast has gone political. Yeah. We're really going to piss off the right. You're going to lose so many listeners. I know. I have a really big a crossover with InfoWars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah. You can ask any of those people any of those questions. There's no way they're going to know. Yeah. It's insane how much you have to know. Oh, yeah. Did you go to your mom's naturalization? No, because it happened relatively recently, and I was here. Got it. I was a kid, because my mom had already been in this country for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was like, I think it was, I can't remember if my dad was still alive. I got to ask her. But I'll never forget going there, and it's just like a big, like, bureaucratic, like, boring-ass process, yeah. but it's like this beautiful, like, heart, like, warming yeah. moment for the person, but I, I'll never forget being so fucking bored and wanting to leave. Yeah. And looking back on it, I feel so guilty, because I should have been, like, proud for my right, younger girl. Right. Yeah. Uh, but like that, I think it just speaks to like how different we are for having been born here than they are for having like immigrated from yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, for them it's it's uh, befitting of a ceremony, and for us it's just like a thing we have to go to. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh god, that's so funny. Uh, so, what kind of stuff are you working on right now? Oh man, so much, so much. Plug it, baby. Okay. Uh, I work with an organization called Story Pirates. It is the one thing I do in my life that makes me feel like I'm putting positivity back into the universe. Oh, no. Uh, like, I, like, well, at least you have one. A lot of people don't have one. Yeah, no, because I feel like, you know, like I am just acutely aware that like I'm a consumer. I'm sitting here and just taking up oxygen. And like, it's not like acting is the most noble profession. I think about this all the time. Like, if you and I were on an airplane and the airplane went down, lost style, like, we'd be the first ones to get kicked off. Because it's like, oh, that guy's a doctor. That guy's a cop. These people have hard skills. You and I, absolutely not. We're, we're like... Oh, it's true. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I have no marketable skills. Yeah, we offer nothing to society. <laughs> uh, but so... Sorry. Until, like, you get to a point where you have enough money where you can, like, actually put your money in. Sure, yeah, exactly. But for now, I have to put in time, which is great. Yeah. Um, the Story Pirates uh, is a children's media organization. They take stories written by kids. They go into schools and teach kids the basics of story writing. They take stories written by kids. They turn into uh, the number one podcast in the country, number one children's podcast in the country. Uh, currently, two books um, uh, and and a whole bunch of shows that we do for live uh, live audiences. And it's it's the best. It makes me feel like it, beyond just like uh, you know going to a soup kitchen or something. It's like I'm using my skills, right. my actual performative skills. Right to put something back out into the universe. Yeah. Um, so I, I try and do as much story part stuff as I can. Uh, the podcast is free. You can download that wherever. Um, uh, I work for, uh, during the day, my day job. And thank God, I love my day job so much. I, don't get me wrong. I would love to not have to have a day job. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But if I'm going to work for any company, uh, it's a company called Simple Contacts or Simply I Simple. I think Health. you're the only actor I know who would plug their day job. It's look, uh, no, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. Uh, we're soon to be Simple Health because we're expanding beyond just contacts into uh, birth control, and that's why it's Got like it. I feel like it's an important thing right now. We're just like with the way that our government is going. For sure, we could definitely use easier access to birth control. Um, so if you're a person who uses birth control, Simple Health, uh, they're great. Uh, and they're so good about, like, if I have an audition, they're just like, yeah, get out of here. Go do what you need. That's the they're dream. They're very supportive. That's the dream. Um, and I am currently shooting uh, the final season of Orange is the New Black. Hey! hey. I heard there was going to be a spinoff. Is that about you? Uh, surprise. It's about me. <laughs> um, I, I would love if they brought me back. Uh, no, I'm doing a recurring role in the final season of Orange is the New Black. Um, I probably shouldn't say on a podcast what it is, but you should watch the final season when it comes out. I'm assuming summer 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my first nudity required role. Oh, shit! Yeah. Full frontal? Uh, I, they've told me partial nudity. I believe it will be butt. Got it. Uh, and I think it's still a possibility. Like, it could not... Oh, your butt is going to be on TV. On the internet forever. Yeah. For everyone They're to gonna ever They're going to be gifts of it. Yeah, They're going to be gifts of it's it. It's very scary. That's amazing. I haven't shot it yet, but I, it's coming. You can send screenshots of your naked butt to your immigrant mom. <laughs> I haven't told her. <laughs> oh, yeah. If she listens to this, she'll know. But That's amazing. It's fun. I got that call, and I called my brother and I was like I got this role it's partially in your car and I called my sister and I told her the same thing and I called my mom and was like I got this role and then that was where the sentence stopped I didn't tell her the second part I'll let her find out I hope this is the way she finds out (laughs) that would be amazing Um, no yeah so watch the final season of Orange is the New Black Uh, uh, I'm next week shooting um uh, Godfriend and me on CBS one line ah, very dumb I have oh, so shit. many I book so many one line roles which again very grateful for I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth I've done a couple yeah uh, but man I wish I could do more than one line um, Godfriend and me and then don't real. Show, <laughs> uh, an Amazon show called Modern Love that'll be coming out soon uh, as far as stuff that's already out uh, you can go rent The First Purge on uh, Blu-ray or iTunes or wherever you get your movies uh, I got to meet Marissa Tomei. She was so nice. Uh, she called me cute. I can take that with me to my grave. You yes. can't take that away from me. <laughs> Put that on the tombstone, too. Yeah. Marissa right Tomei after I'm switching my gyno. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, 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 Luke Cage on Netflix. Uh, the first season of Crashing on HBO. Do you hear this shit, everybody? Uh, first season of... Literally third, crashing it right now. Sec- second season of uh, High Maintenance on HBO. Um, and uh, hopefully more. I don't know. Yeah. That was, that was the most robust plug section of the oh boy, podcast. Oh, boy. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. I sound vain for, like... Dude, I asked for it. I asked oh for it. Also, like, I'm straight up, like, stealing your shine to get more ears on this podcast. Oh, no, please do. I'm more than happy to do... Yeah. Let, please give me a shot. Sorry, my camera. <laughs> Let's plug other people's stuff so now we can get... Uh, yeah, great. Uh, go watch. Uh, go watch because they just put it on Netflix. I just watched it this morning because I didn't get a chance to see it when it was on Broadway. John Leguizamo's Latin History for More. Oh, I've been meaning to watch that. Oh, it made me cry yesterday. I watched oh, it last man. night because I don't have a life. Right. Uh, oh my god, uh, it's the best. Go okay. see and, and watch all of John Leguizamo's solo shows from forever. He's yeah. like um, he's the best. He's a goat to yeah. me. Uh, who else do I want to plug? Uh, Alfonso Cuaron any movies he's ever made sure sure yeah. uh, I'm that, that, dicey with race but I, I'm uh, the biggest stand for uh, uh, Edgar Wright he's my favorite director in the oh, world for sure when did he's dicey with race well just insofar as like his uh, three out of his first four movies were British movies and right. you know not a whole lot of yeah. racial oh I didn't see the newest one though the Baby, Baby Driver uh, Jamie Foxx is in it and that was pretty much it and Isaac Gonzalez who is Mexican um, 
but uh, not a lot of women in that movie. Mm. Uh, and the two women that are in that movie are basically talking props. Yikes. They, yeah. Um, so it's not it's not great. Uh, but Edgar Wright, I will. He yes. Edgar Wright's guy who could like just yeah. pee on a camera for an hour, and I'd still pay to watch it. Yeah, it's I, incredible. I think I would too. Go watch Edgar Wright movies. Yeah. Oh, the Final Girls. I don't know that. I was just telling someone about the show. Uh, Todd Strauss-Schulson is a uh, director who did a movie called The Final Girls. Um, we're just past Halloween. We're recording this in November, but it's one of my favorite like um, like pseudo-horror movies. Mm-hmm. It's like a parody of a slasher movie, but secretly it's like a mother-daughter drama wrapped up in a horror movie, and it's a horror comedy, and it's got, you know, like, Ollie Shawkat and uh, Adam Devine and Thomas Middleditch and all these great people in oh, it. Oh, I love that. Uh, the Final Girls? The Final Girls. Oh, I'm going to watch that. Uh He's doing a new movie that is coming. It's a new Rebel Wilson movie that she's kind of in hot water for right now. Oh, yeah. She was like, I'm the first plus size woman in a romantic comedy. And people are like, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, but so his new movie is uh, coming out on Valentine's Day. It's called Isn't It Romantic? Starring Rebel Wilson. Uh, I'm sure it'll be great because I trust that director now. His movies are great. Uh, go watch that. I love that this is happening. <laughs> this is such a funny way to end this episode. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for truly like it's an honor to have you on oh, this thing. Stop. I think I've been a fan for a while. We haven't like gotten a chance to hang out. I'm glad we did. Me too. We're both doing the same nice boy pose. That's a weird nice boy pose yeah. right now. Uh, well, everyone, uh, watch all of Mike's shit. Go on his website, all that stuff. Book him if you're like an industry person yeah, listening please. to this. Uh, uh, Mike Cavallon, the the symbol of hope for the Filipino (laughs) (laughs) oh boy that's a lot to live up to I just wanted to include that at the end just to uh, uh, make you feel great thank you Mike thank you so much bye That's it for this week's episode of La Mescla. Thank you so much to Mike Caballon for coming in. Uh, please, if you're listening to this, uh, follow him on all the stuff you can follow him on because uh, you should keep an eye on his projects. Dude's going to be a big deal. Uh, and uh, as always, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes and make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud too, like the Facebook page and the Instagram. I'm um, trying my best to grow this show. And uh, 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 one last apology for the uh, audio quality. It won't happen again. You guys, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay, I'm going to go eat something because I haven't eaten enough today. Okay, bye everyone. This definitely isn't a punch-in. Hey, can I just say? Yeah. I'm a big fan of your outfit today. Oh my god, thank you so much for saying that on mic. You've got like this like dope-ass bomber and like this like stretchy, sexy like muscle tee. Oh. And then like nice clean jeans and white sneaks. Thank you so much. I don't know if you've listened to this show, but I, I haven't. I start up every episode with like a, a cold open pull quote from the episode. <gasps> is this it? This is definitely it. Yeah. You got a good outfit. Thank you. <laughs>